you'd seen Lady Bird and you'd seen Call Me My Name. So you came in a beautiful boy, fairly, to me, knowledgeable. Yeah, I went and saw it because you wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah, that is actually... Like, I wouldn't have gone <laughs> at all. Knowing that contextually <laughs> now makes me feel like I took hostages no, to see Beautiful not. Boy. I mean, you did. We all went and then you gave us all pins so I that did. you wouldn't be able to lose us in the crowd is what I said. <laughs> so that we would have to come and see you afterward. Right. Like I, 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 I like, set up a system in which you all had to be under my wing yes. and then come to me after to, yes. for whatever I wanted to discuss. <laughs> to return your pin and then also to have to discuss. Well, and also just like, here is a token of Timothy's face before we get begin this movie. Right. Just so you know why we're all here. Right. It's 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 a, almost akin to when you're like at a theme park mm-hmm. and you see a family either all wearing the same t-shirt or exactly. someone has like a flag yeah. and you're following that person. I like strode into Beautiful Boy, like having distributed my Timothy Chalamet little mm-hmm. pins to all of you. And I want to say everyone put one on except like Josh, which is strange because of everyone, Josh kind of openly stands to me. Similarly to how I do. Yes. I wonder if he's just like anti-pin. <laughs> um, oh my God. No, I was just going to say that pretty that pretty much well establishes your... Th- those are your Timmy bona fides, if you will. Yes. So that makes you the perfect guest for my podcast, Sarah, <laughs> which is called Chasing Chalamet. It's a bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, lover of tall, dark-haired, idiosyncratic, critically acclaimed actors... And a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor, Timothy Hal Chalamet. And this is episode four, so it's really exciting. By this point, I hope people have listened. I hope people kind of understand why I wanted to start this podcast. Um, If you haven't, this is your first episode. Um, That's interesting. You're diving in on Beautiful Boy, but that's cool. I, I respect it. I support it. The point of this podcast is to kind of take this internal timothy thirst i've developed and put it into something productive and artistic uh and you know my my hope and goal isn't this isn't just a podcast where we sit around and talk about uh what his hair currently looks like though that's certainly part of it um this is to kind of deep dive into his performances and because he has such a limited filmography it makes for a pretty good small series run so um with that in mind i'd like to introduce today's guest sarah walls is a dear friend uh we met through my friend mike your boyfriend mike is how we got to know each other i'll never forget mike and i went and saw the movie patterson with adam driver oh yeah did you guys see that together we saw that on our first date. okay okay that is how it came up because i when i wanted to see it i said to mike oh like i really want to see patterson like you'd probably want to see patterson he's like yeah for sure and like after the movie i realized he'd like seen it and i was like oh god i'm sorry like i didn't know you'd seen it he's like no i wanted to see it again and then I think it had come out that, like, he saw it with you, and yeah. I was like, oh, like, a new thing, a new girl. And so that's how I was introduced to you. But <laughs> So yeah, Sarah Walls, welcome to Chasing Chalamet. Thank you. I am a lover of movies, but also I think more broadly a lover of narrative, since I studied English in college and wrote poetry for my senior thesis, and like to talk a lot about storytelling and narratives. And yeah. people inside them, so definitely, yeah. It's great to talk about because you do you in in your professional capacity, you do write a little bit. Yeah, correct? right. I work in communications for a national breastfeeding advocacy nonprofit. What's cool about breastfeeding from outside of like the parenting perspective is that whenever you tell someone who has a breastfeeding story that you work in breastfeeding, immediately you get to hear their entire experience. Um, so what I've learned how to do professionally is just listen to people talk about what they love to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, that's a perfect avenue for 
what we're doing because I love to talk about Timothy Chalamet. So yeah, that's great. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So as I do with most of my guests, there's kind of this nice in-between of kind of no reason I wanted to have them on that particular episode, but then they're always kind of something falls into place. And with you, um, not only did we see this movie together, as we alluded to in our intro, uh, brought my little cohort of hostages to see Beautiful Boy <laughs> opening, literally op- the first night it was playing in Chicago. It wasn't playing anywhere else. I yeah. remember also the theater was very full. It was very full of like-minded. Indi- yeah, yeah, I actually, no, it was very real. I remember glancing around and seeing like five to six people I'd matched with on Tinder who were probably there for the same yeah. reason I was. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not only did we see this movie together, but afterwards you had confided to me that like, like many people, addiction and opioid addiction was something that had entered your sphere as something that you understand on a personal level. And I'll let you talk to that in whatever way you'd like to. Um, but we were kind of talking off mic about how really there are just so many people affected by this disease, which is kind of, you know, alluded to and or not even alluded to. It's said at the end of the movie with kind of those post-credit sequences. I believe they say that drug addiction is the number one killer of Americans under 50, which just seems wild. So it's it's not hard to find someone who has been touched by addiction in one way or the other. I was just very struck by how you opened up about that after seeing the movie uh, and after my uh, my brief moment of feeling guilty for dragging <laughs> you to it on a day where you are, where you already said you were having a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. Um, I, I think I even tried to say like, well, like here were the couple things I liked about the movie. <laughs> I, I tried to gloss it over a bit, but in um, asking you to do this episode... Uh, I obviously made sure it was okay with you yeah, first and kind sure. of approached you to make sure it was something you were comfortable with. So can you speak a little bit about your experience coming into this movie and then how you felt when I asked you to talk about this particular movie? Yeah, um, I knew that watching Beautiful Boy would be hard because it's just hard for me in general to watch stories about addiction or stories about opioid addiction and what was really weird is that like the movie isn't that good (laughs) (laughs) but I had this incredibly emotional response and like cried through almost the entire movie Mm -hmm. including like on Palm I rewatch the very terrible parts of it like when (laughs) the doctor is showing Steve Carell like this is your son's brain on drugs I was like this is literally this is your brain on drugs yeah on my rewatch but at the first screening I was just like completely balling like this is a brain on drugs right yeah it just sort of was a hard thing to watch partially also because it's not that great but Mm -hmm. like yet it still made me cry sure so much yeah and that's something i've kind of talked about a little bit on some other podcasts i've been on them personally like i have this thing where if a movie makes you cry does that inherently mean it, I don't mean to say it's good, but yeah. like, does if, if it hits you in that emotional place, there has to be something it's speaking to. I bring this up a lot because, kind of way off topic, I cried four times in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, the Andrew Garfield movie. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's not, it's not good, but I cried not like for like a block of a half hour. I like four different instances, I like began crying, cried, and stopped crying. Yeah. So... And, and then there are many reasons that could be. Spider-Man is very uh, personal to me. Um, that was right when I was graduating from college. Uh, like, there, is, there are many reasons that could be. But yeah, like, it's it's interesting to dive into an, a mo- when a movie hits you emotionally, but isn't that good. And this is, like, the perfect <laughs> movie to talk about that with. Yeah. Like, you've kind of shown your hand a bit to how you feel about the movie. But we can jump into general discussion about Beautiful Boy. I don't know if I would say it's terrible. I think that there are things I enjoy about the movie. Actually, when I was rewatching it last night, the things that through the three times I've seen it, 
the same stuff kind of it's not like I'm seeing it and seeing more things I don't like it's just kind of the Mm. same thing the things that don't work for me are the choice of music is (laughs) jarring is a generous word it's so bad bad. like I actually on this on this watch I saw like the music supervisor's name and I locked and I was like you who is it I don't remember the name (laughs) but it like it's like stopped and I was like I pointed at the screen (laughs) and then the the narrative choice to tell things out of sequence doesn't work super well for me. And one of the reasons that is, and, and obviously you, you've you talked about how hard this movie was to watch, so I don't believe you would go out of your way to see other... There were a lot of movies at the end of last year about like small white boys dealing with problems yeah. like addiction. or You didn't see any of, them, didn't see any of them. Yeah. this one, yeah. So I saw Ben is Back okay, yeah. with Lucas Hedges and Julia Roberts, and that is like far and away a better movie. I won't recommend it to you, obviously, unless it's something you feel compelled to see. But the thing with Ben is Back is it takes like a specific snapshot of a moment. It's mm-hmm. literally like he comes back from rehab for the holidays, and whereas mm-hmm. this movie kind of jumps back and forth in time. Some scenes get like replayed. Like I noticed mm-hmm. the opening sequence with, Steve Carell, like, at that doctor's office, mm-hmm. then, like, gets replayed later, yeah. which I don't think, like, really gives any heft to that in particular. But, yeah, so those are the things that really jump out to me. I think it, it looks very nice. Um, I think, the, overall, the acting is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. My one gripe with Steve Carell, and it's... I feel bad saying this, but there's just this scene where he yells, and you hear, like, the Steve Carell comedy yell. It's when he's, like, leaving, and he, he he's going back to school, and he screams at him, and I just, like, hear... <laughs> Steve Carell and, like, Anchorman, like, yell screaming. See, okay, so this is what's weird for me is that my first memory of... My first memory of Steve Carell is the movie Dan in Real Life. Interesting. Which is, like, a stepping stone for this. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm like, this is very natural for Steve Carell, not having ever really watched The Office Mm -hmm. or Anchorman. So you haven't watched The Office either? Like, not a lot. I've only seen the first season. I've obviously seen it. Okay. Like, in the world sure. around me but never like sitting down to watch it yeah you never made it like a uh, like a an appointment to no sit down never and made watch any it. appointments at yeah. the office um, <laughs> so that i think i have heard the criticism of steve Carell. i personally like don't feel it sure I've, especially so, uh, that yell actually the yell has been brought up so well, so how did, his performance did it did it work for you like uh, the things that you did anything yeah. that you did like about it yeah i do li- like i do like steve Carell in it i think that he just like works as a dad mm-hmm and I think that Maura Tierney and Amy Ryan are just, like, crushing it yes. so hard Definitely. in this movie. And the small children are mm-hmm. just, like, small blonde children. Just, They're very like, adorable. But, like, they have similar, not to, like, jump forward to Timmy's hair, but, like, their hair is, like, very mimicking of mm-hmm. his. But but so blonde. But so blonde. Right, which is strange with, like, Maura Tierney and Steve Carell being dark haired yeah i don't know where the blonde came from but it doesn't matter they're they're very cute kids, they're very cute kids. it works I'm for what one of my one of my favorite shots in the movie is when they're on the beach and it's jasper and uh nick like playing in the mm-hmm. sand and it's just like both of their like curly heads just, are like, just flopping yeah forward. it's yeah. just a very beautiful little scene Wa- watching this movie i think far and away the best scene without timothy is more tierney driving in the car after them yes um and i was laughing because it must be in Timothy's contract that in every movie he does, a woman must drive emotionally in a car at some point. <laughs> because in Lady Bird, you have Laurie Metcalf driving around the airport. And yes. then in uh, Miss Stevens, uh, the character of Lily Rabe drives around in a car. Okay. Um, she's, she talks more. And then in Call Me By Your Name, when his mom comes and picks him up from mm-hmm. the train station, he's crying and she kind of caresses his head. And then in this movie, more Mar- attorney jumps in the car and comes after them. Yeah. So it's just like... It has to be in the contract. Otherwise, this is just a strange coincidence. But yeah, that scene is really moving to me. In in a role where I think she doesn't get 
a whole lot to do, but she sells every minute that she's on screen. I, yeah, I completely agree. And that was the only time that I cried again, mm-hmm. like, on the rewatch. Yeah. Because it, she just is so, it is so devastating. And that's a really interesting character because... As someone who has had step parents, mm-hmm. that is like a tricky line to, to draw between how, because you see the scenes earlier where like they're getting married and she's so like, so she's like, thank you for sharing your son with me. And then they're at the birth of, I, I believe it's Jasper. Yeah. And you see all these really intimate moments between a stepson and a stepmother. And then really quickly, once he's kind of in the throes of addiction, he turns on her. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, even though like the crux of the film is this father-son relationship, the movie... I think rightly gives a lot of weight to his relationship with his mom and his stepmom, yeah. which I thought was really nice, especially given that those roles aren't written with the meat that David is kind of given no, in the not film. It's not, it's so hard to watch movies that you want to be good mm-hmm. because they have such an, they have such an important thing to say. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone on screen is kind of giving it their best. And I know for this movie, they did a pretty hefty, like, promotional tour where they would do speaking engagements, and the the real Nick and David Chef would come and talk to people, and Timothy did a lot of appearances where he talked about it as well, and you can really tell, like, he did his research and wanted to do right, mm-hmm. and then just the movie around them really doesn't rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think that how it feels to me is everyone in the movie thinks that they're making, like, a capital I important movie, sure, and it just isn't yeah you just wonder if they had just kind of taken a step back Mm -hmm. and tried to tell a human story and there are a lot of ways in which this film is trying to tell the addiction story and not the nick and david chef story yeah i like that which is one of like i said one of the reasons i liked ben is back they're, they they have this very like family focus um it felt like each character you know and like we were saying like amy ryan and maura tierney do what they need to do but it's not written that way, whereas I feel like Ben is back, like, there's his sister, there's his stepfather, like, there's just more given to every character, and even though the focal point should be this person who's going through what they're going through, that isn't given, like, the significance it needs without understanding where the people around them are coming from. Mm. So yeah, it's, you're right, it's definitely trying to be, like, a capital I important, you know, and, and, and... for my two cents, rightly so, they really pushed Timothy to get an Oscar nomination, and then he yeah. didn't, um, which was surprising. But I, I saw a tweet that said that it's really hard for an acting performance to kind of break through if the film kind of doesn't have the push behind it. And this film definitely kind of got middle of the road reviews, so yeah. it's not surprising he didn't get nominated. But Amazon was this was like their big push this year. Yeah, the movie's not good enough for it. Yeah, I know. I've watched it three times now, and I. I really think it would have to be a very interesting set of circumstances for me to want to watch it again. Because obviously I watched it to prepare for this podcast. And yeah, Timothy like looks nice in certain scenes and I like his performance. But, you know, I there's just so many other movies I'd want to come back to before this one. Oh my God, yeah. um, but like I said, I, I think it's I think it's it looks nice. I think there are some some nice moments. So, yeah, it's kind of a big resounding meh. From Sarah and I on this one. Their house is gorgeous. Their house is. I just is... want to make a note. <laughs> Just like for the record, their house is beautiful, mm-hmm. and I love that. I want nothing more than to like paint trees and yes. like have all that fresh organic produce on my like big island. And yeah. God, there is a bell pepper on that table while Steve Carell's on the phone with the addiction center. I'm like, that is the reddest bell pepper I've ever seen. Beautiful in their kitchen. Is that somewhat a detriment to the film because <laughs> it kind of makes you think, oh, these poor white people? Oh yeah. On my rewatch this morning, there was this moment where Steve Carell is like, 
we can't help you anymore. We just can't. And I'm like, well, you should maybe make it clear that it's not a financial thing. Because, like, sure. clearly this house yeah. is, like, worth the money. And instead it's, like, you've had to... But also I think that that's, that can also be a hard thing to navigate, which is that you have to say no to someone who you love who's an addict mm-hmm. without bankrupting yourself. It just happens that, like, they had a lot further to go before bankrupt. They weren't, like, on sure. the edge of bankruptcy no. on their journalist artist. It's, that does seem, like, very, like, HT, HGTV jokey of, like... Oh, yeah, like, my wife, like, trains squirrels, and I, like, take photos of, like, broken stovetops. Our budget is, like, $2.5 million. Yeah, I don't know. The early 2000s were a weird time. Yeah, and then there's the whole thing where, like, he, like, gets the cocaine to, like, try. Like, and that just seems, like, the safest, easiest. Like, obviously, like, I'm not saying people should do cocaine. It's not safe (laughs) from my understanding. I've never done it. But it just, it just seemed like such an, like, an old white man trying to understand his opioid addicted son yeah. buys cocaine and snorts it off his like mahogany desk and like it just, just like scatters a bunch of jazz records around yeah like, no. no yeah there's just it, it's that thing where there was just like to go back to the music thing like there's a piece of music <laughs> and there was just there was just something off about most of the choices made yeah so moving on to um timothy and the role he plays in the film mm-hmm. and then kind of any kind of like extra filmic things of like his casting one thing i kind of came to was like this is I feel like you see this with actors where, like, they have their year, and 2017 was really, like, his year between, like, Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name and becoming, like, the second youngest Oscar Best Actor nominee in history. There's kind of this, like, second movie that they do the next year where they really try to push back into, like, the Oscar race, and this mm-hmm. was obviously that for him. Mm-hmm. So kind of going into it, it's really smart casting, because you kind of have this, like, for lack of a better phrase, beautiful boy, <laughs> on his, like, meteoric rise. Mm. And they kind of got him, like, right before, you know, they struck while the iron was hot. So his, his casting is pretty ideal. And then as far as his role, it's that interesting thing where, to me, it's kind of a leading role. Thus far on the show, we've done Lady Bird, we've done Interstellar, and we've done Miss Stevens. Uh, and those are all pretty, like, hefty supporting roles. I'd mm. say Miss Stevens is one where maybe he kind of... He's definitely the lead male, but he's not the lead and in this movie, I think at best you could say he's, like, co-lead with Steve Carell, but this is the most prominent role he has in a movie we've talked about so far. Yeah, or if he's not the lead, he's the center, which is that any scene that he's not in mm-hmm. is about the fact that he's not there. Sure. And so I think that it works to have Timothy because you want this handsome, charismatic, a little bit enigmatic presence that even that when he's not there you want to know what he what he's doing and where he is Mm -hmm. and i think the whole film hinges on wanting wanting to see him more Mm -hmm. like that's what the plot of that's basically the plot of the film right is like where is timothy and what is he doing (laughs) and how can we find him again which i believe is also the plot of the internet currently (laughs) (laughs) it's like where is he what is he doing right (laughs) what is he wearing (laughs) what does hair look like what does he look like (laughs) i say this very honestly as someone who is not completely in love with him, Mm -hmm. which is that, yeah, he's a little bit perfect for it. Mm -hmm. And I honestly can't think of someone else who would be good in it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, like, I think that he, he, like, instantly has chemistry with everyone on screen. Yeah. Like, obviously Steve Carell, uh, Amy Ryan, and Moore Tierney we talked about. Um, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the guy who plays his sponsor. Uh, He's the guy from The Wire, right? um, Yeah, he, like, he doesn't get Andre Royo. Yeah, so, like, he doesn't, he's really not on screen too much, but, like, you kind of instantly get, like, a connection between them. There's kind of two different female characters that he has, like, romantic 
relationships with and like mm-hmm. there's kind of like this instant yeah like he just he kind of he kind of just uh, he has this like magneticism instantly with anyone on screen and you need someone like that who's going to just kind of be open and be friendly and and on, obviously as you watch him kind of descend into addiction it becomes that much harder to watch mm-hmm. like which then kind of speaks to the cultural societal problem of if this story was happening to a person of color Mm -hmm. or a person without privilege, like Mm -hmm. would we care? And I think those things come more into play as in, and I guess I'm going a little bit back to the discussion of the film here, but that's kind of a, a narrative thing where you want the movie to be better because if it was better, you wouldn't, there'd be ample room to not criticize that part of the movie, Mm, but as it's not as good as you want it to be, then you can kind of bring up the issue of, Oh, of course we're telling the story of this very well off white boy dealing with his addiction. And that's not to say that doesn't happen. It obviously does. If, if the movie doesn't rise to that occasion, it becomes easier to criticize those things. Or just like his sponsor is the only person of color. At least with lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's another <laughs> no. shake your head moment. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think you're you're right. It, it, you need this like handsome, charismatic kind of internet's boyfriend to be at the center of this film. One thing that kind of struck me, as, as good as I think his casting is, the character of Nick kind of seems to have this almost like, I don't know if goth is the right word, but he definitely seems very kind of like hot topicy at moment. Mm, like like, like the in, Nirvana poster. Yeah, like the Nirvana yeah. thing. And he's got like the, the kind of the death metal movie. t-shirt and... That scene where they're, I think it's like Steve Carell is in the car looking for him and then it cuts back to like them listening to like metal and he's like yell screaming. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily get that from like Timothy. Like, I don't get like the the metal screaming vibe. He it, like has the hair to headbang. So. He does have the hair to headbang. Don't yeah. look a gift horse in the mouth. I, I, with his hair, I, <laughs> I, 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 I do my best not to. Um... Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say about, I just remembered, because it's the scene where he's, like, going through his notebook, and he's got, like, the all the scribble scrawlies. All of a sudden, like, a Trent uh, Rasner Atticus Ross score from a David Fincher movie gets, like, airdropped into the movie as he's looking at that, and it's just like, where did this come from? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's there, and then isn't it also when he goes to the hospital in New York? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, again, this, like, very, like, weird, pulsing, like, horror movie. Yeah. Dread. It's score. insane. Yeah. And that's not even getting to like at one point a song from Fiddler on the Roof plays. Like it's just I actually I so I watched it I probably as did you on Amazon. And you can do that thing where you can like go and like see the music. And if you just go and scroll through the soundtrack of that movie, it's all over the place. Yeah. It's wild. And I I think I wanna say that I read that it was based on like a playlist that Nick or David Chef like gave to the director. And it just goes to show you that, like, maybe the inspiration doesn't have to be, like, telegraphed in the (laughs) final product. (laughs) Kind of to its detriment. It's distracting. We've gone back to it, like, three times. Right. Because it's just so bad. I really think that if this movie was cut together differently, I really think with a little bit of editing and a little bit of better musical supervision, I really think this would have risen to, like... If not great, at least good. Mm. I think that it would have just, like, left our consciousness, whereas, like, I just think about what I didn't like yeah, I in the movie. Yeah, I think about Fiddler all the time. <laughs> I don't, I can't, obviously I'm, like, telegraphing my feelings now into, like, the old memory of when we saw it. No, but I feel like when we saw it, like, that song started playing and we all kind of, like, leaned forward and we're like, this? This song? Now? 
Well, I was just weeping. You were weeping, sorry. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I think you were, like, as far away from I me. Was like, the, no, I specifically sat, like, I was like, I must sit at the end of the group. Maybe, like, on the aisle. <laughs> so, so I can leave. Sure. If necessary. Or sure. just lean back really far. And sure. So that's kind of, like, a bit about his role in the film mm-hmm. and kind of the luck they had in casting him kind of this, like, zeitgeist moment for him. Yeah. How did you feel about, like, his performance specifically? I think he's good. I think that he deserved the accolades that he got for it. And there's this moment where he's on the phone with his sponsor and like his face like stretches into this really like ghoulish Jack Lantern smile. And I was just like, oh, you're like terrifying Mm -hmm. me right now in a way that is really unnatural for you. Mm -hmm. And it's working. Like I am terrified for you and I'm terrified like for what you're about to do. Yeah, I I get swept up in him when he's alone, basically, on screen. And I'm not distracted by other things mm -hmm. happening in the movie. I really think that this was a good move for him because he isn't playing the like lush, sentimental romance he was playing in Call Me By Your Name. Mm Even though we talked about kind of the nuance to his character in Lady Bird, you can kind of stereotype that as kind of like the bad boy. I actually would say of everyone in the movie, he's kind of the most like human performer. Like I think he of anyone almost begins to transcend that like capital I, we are in an addiction movie and Mm -hmm. this is a movie about addiction. Like I think he like does everything he can do to kind of break out of that. And I just see that in, I am so fascinated by his hands. Like he is such an incredible hand actor there's a scene <laughs> i i know it's 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 very weird i can think of like eight hand gestures in different movies that i'm like obsessed with in this movie it's when um steve carell first takes him to rehab and he is sitting inside and i think steve carell's like talking to like an intake person or something and he's sitting on a couch and he has his hands kind of like thumbs touching um the tips of his pointer and his middle finger touching and it's kind of creating like a little heart and he's like tapping his fingers together in kind of this like nervous anticipation and it's so, it's just, you know, he, he just finds these, like, very sweet little moments like that. Uh, it happens later when they're, it's kind of that, the scene that was played in the trailers, and I think it was, like, on, on YouTube to promote the movie, when it's, like, him and Steve Carell in the diner, and he's got, like, his hands kind of creating, like, a little ladder, like, with his, t- yeah. it's, like, he's, he, I don't know, he just, he does incredible things with his hands, and he just has these little character moments, like, I think about... When he goes to Amy Ryan's house in L.A., he's, like, taking a box and he's, like, walking it. Mm -hmm. He, like, jumps and, like, hits his head on the branch. He finds these, like, these silly moments that remind you that this is a human character while also still playing the realism of the addiction. And I don't know, those scenes are so hard to watch for so many reasons. I personally am very afraid of needles. So watching those needle scenes is really hard for me. Not that, I I, I think that (laughs) would kind of be hard for anyone, Especially because in that first one, it seems to me like the needle breaks. Like the first, he's in his dorm room and he puts the... the first time he does heroin. Yeah. And I think it works because you're supposed to be like horrified in that Mm -hmm. moment. But like, I don't know if it's like needle breaking in your arm horrifying. But yeah, he, I I know that he talked about doing research for this role and you see so much of that, that pain without it becoming caricature. I think that also out of all the characters in this movie, he is the one that you see all the pain. And then, but also you have to see what comes before that, which mm-hmm. is like kid that just really likes to smoke pot. And, sure. Which also like is another problem I have with it, which is like, <laughs> I like to smoke pot, but then later I'll overdose of heroin. Yeah. Um, it does kind of like do the weird gateway drug thing. Yeah. And did not enjoy that. You have to see that, right? Which is like this kid that's super charming and like has a lot, has this really beautiful, bright smile. Mm-hmm. And then you have to like see everything that happens after that. Sure. Um, and I think the one thing about 
the structure of the movie where you jump back and forth so much is that you really do get to see him kind of like go back and forth in that range mm-hmm. really rapidly at times and that I think is also super impressive so is that something that because I kind of talked about how I think maybe this film would have been a little bit stronger if it had been more of like a snapshot in time so do you think that, that the narrative kind of strengthens it for you no I think that the film would be stronger but his performance looks better sure. in the jumping that's true yeah. I think maybe in a, a movie that may have still thought it was like capital I important but not as kind of thought out Mm -hmm. you would get the good and then like the very bad Mm -hmm. like you do really see this kind of progression yeah um and then you see within that like that's actually what i really enjoy about like the last like half hour of the movie is you really get him kind of going through his first round of rehab and being i think he's sober for like eight months or something Mm -hmm. like that i think the reality of relapse is is actually something this movie does pretty well yeah because then you see you know, him go home and they're kind of apprehensive and he drug tests him. And like that scene at the beach where more attorney like doesn't want this Jasper to go in the ocean. He's trying to be like, no, I'll take care of him. And you just like see that play out on her face. Like, I think you're right. That does really speak well to one of the movie's strengths, which is kind of showing this like all encompassing journey. Yeah. That I think is for how flawed the movie is in so many ways. I think that like, that was what sort of like, broke me so much first watching it Mm -hmm. was seeing again kind of the fact that addiction and getting sober are not straight lines at all Mm -hmm. there's not like a point where you're just like i'm sober now and then my life is fine forever and so seeing that kind of like winding and spiraling and like terrible path and the way that it impacts everyone around you was what crushed me so much watching it mm-hmm. even though it's such a not great movie yeah it's really hard to talk about it's, hard, it's hard to talk about any aspect of it without caveating that like but like it's not a good movie mm-hmm. um crying aside which also like as someone that cries constantly while sure. watching things I'm like this doesn't make it good or bad this is just a thing that's happening to me. sure is there a movie that you think deals with the subject that you think is a better movie that is like more important for people to I just, watch i avoid watching like a addiction narrative so much that mm-hmm. i like don't have anything yeah, like, it doesn't feel like we have a lot of those anyway. Yeah, I um, so. Yeah, I, I think, like, I don't know, I'm, for whatever reason, the movie Alpha Dog is coming to mind. Like, I think we have more movies about, like, the drug industry. Mm, like, sure. I think about, like, Sicario, or, like, we have movies about people who sell drugs mm. and not really, like, I feel like we, we get scenes of, like, addicts or something, like, here and there, just kind of, like, but we really don't get these stories, which I think is the noble aspect of what they were trying to do, but the execution leaves a little bit to be desired but that's that (laughs) uh so so on that note one to five peaches what would you give this movie as a grade oh my god i'm just gonna say two maybe like 1.5 Ooh, wow (laughs) i am someone who thinks about things really emotionally Mm -hmm. and emotionally this movie just like doesn't do it for me sure it might be a one it's probably a 1.5 fair no it's one and a half but, like, the good half of the peach was, yeah. like, the pit inside. Sure. It's, like, a little bit of an edge. I, I'd give it a three, and I think I'm being maybe a little generous, um, just because I obviously come into this movie looking for a good Timothy Chalamet performance, and, and I get that. Yeah. Um, there's definitely things I don't like about it, as I've talked about, and I think that when I look at his um, filmography, this is one that I really only revisit because I think his hair looks so nice, which is such Oh my an, god, it does. It's such an, and we'll talk about that, don't right. worry. We'll, we'll, we'll leave on a good note. Amazing. But yeah, I, I, and that's such a horrible thing to bring up in the context of this story, but you guys, you have to find the joy somewhere. <laughs> I think it's a well-made movie. I just think in execution, it, 
a lot of the editing choices and then the music. It just, it, it sinks it from from the potential I think it could have had. And I think that it had a, a lot of potential. So yeah, it's, it's very middle of the road toward uh, whatever side of the road is bad, closer to <laughs> whatever that side is. Timothy's performance specifically, one to five peaches. I would say a four, because any fault that I find with sort of centering a story about addiction around an affluent, young, handsome white man, mm-hmm. like, is not his fault sure. in adapting the narrative, or like adapting the memoirs of an affluent white family. Yeah. So any fault that I find in it is not Just his. The, the cards that were dealt. Yeah. Basically. Or yeah. like the funding that was funded. That's a vu- <laughs> so much that's more appropriate. Like there is like <laughs> someone chose to fund this. Yeah, that's true. And there, it's Amazon. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I'll I'll go ahead and give a 4.5 just because I think I think this stretched him in an interesting way. Yeah. He had to kind of play more. And I don't mean this as a criticism, and a lot of times I do. He kind of had to play those, like, Oscar Beatty scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, the the scene in the diner, the scene where he calls his sponsor, the scene where I th- he, he calls Steve Carell after the girlfriend-ish character, Caitlin Dever, yeah. who's in Booksmart, which I'm very excited for. So excited for Booksmart. Plays Lauren, the, mm-hmm. the girl he, like, reconnects with. Uh, and then Slash, they... Slash, like, gets addicted to heroin. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Reconnecting. Uh, yes, that's what I meant in reconnecting. <laughs> like, where she ODs and he has to call, like, he calls Steve. Like, I think that he plays those here is my Oscar real clip scenes very well in a way that in a, in a capital I thinks it's important movie, he's kind of giving it as much humanity as he can. Hmm. And like I, like I had said, I think he does a lot of little small character things that make you kind of remember his adorableness. Like, I... I actually really love where they're driving to rehab for the first time and they have to, his dad pulls off the road so he can throw up and he gets back in the car and he like hits his head on the door and says, ow. Like, it's just this very like light moment. And I, I feel like I've been there. I feel like I've been in these like very high emotion, either like I was like in trouble with my parents or like there were like, I was fighting with someone who I loved and then something kind of funny happens and you kind of have to acknowledge that <laughs> in the depths of this horrible moment, something kind of funny happened. Yeah, like. Absolutely. That that rung very true for me. So I, I appreciate what he brought to this role. And it made me excited for what we're going to see in the future. And he carries it really well. Yeah, he can, gonna say. he can carry a movie. Yeah, I think that that's like, if you look at Call Me Your Name and this then in conjunction, like he carries both of them mm-hmm. and like holds an emotional center for both of them in a way that is really amazing. Yeah, in a way that, in a way that like, I actually have a hard time with not I shouldn't say movie centered around men. I like a lot of movies centered around men, yeah. but I almost feel like going into a movie centered around a woman, I it's like already kind of like batting at a higher average for me. Like I'm going to I feel like I'm going to inherently enjoy a movie more that's centered around a woman or that has um it gives the female perspective equal footing to the male perspective. And I feel like Timothy, one of the reasons I think I find myself so fascinated with him, I don't have that thing where like if I'm going in to watch a Leonardo DiCaprio movie or a Daniel Day-Lewis movie, I'm not like, I don't know, I'm already kind of tired. Like, I'm already kind of like, yes, I have to like relate to this straight man with his straight story. And I I don't get that with Timothy because I feel like he seems more approachable and I'm sure that has to do with the fact that he's younger and comes from a different generation. And well, I guess, so he's 23. 23, are those Gen Z technically? If he's not Gen Z, he's like right on the cusp. So... So, like, Gen Z Millennial Rising. Yeah, uh, Gen Z Sun, Millennial no, Rising, yes. um, Boomer Moon? I don't know. No, <laughs> no not I mean, at all. There is no Boomer Moon. It would be, like, Gen X. 
How about attractiveness? One to five features. See, this is hard because... It's not a fun movie to talk about his attractiveness with. I, like, almost would like to abstain. Sure. (laughs) I will let you. I would like to be marked as absent for this Okay. You want to plead the the fifth on attractiveness? No, because I'm not going to incriminate myself. (laughs) I would just like to be marked in absentia. (laughs) Uh, So, for those of you listening at home, Sarah briefly left the room (laughs) as I talked about Timothy's attractiveness in the opioid addiction movie. She's she's in a soundproof booth, a la quiz show. Yeah. Waiting to hear... What I say, and then to have all the all the criticisms. Um, I'll go ahead and say that, for better or for worse, I find him very good looking in this movie. I made the quip on my Instagram story and on Letterboxd that I suppose drug-addled twink might be my ideal body type. I think at one point, I think uh, Steve Carell is talking, I think he's giving like the hospital specifics on like his build, and he says that he's like 6'1", 130 pounds, and I was just like, oh my god, that's gaunt like mm-hmm. crazy yeah <laughs> sorry you're in your soundproof room you can't respond to what i'm saying <laughs> Apologize. um i find him attractive in the movie yeah. for better or for worse uh, i'll give him i'll give him four peaches because i, I do find in, in in the way that i'm trying to grade his attractiveness on this podcast i do kind of let performance and character play into it a tad so obviously like ladybird the bad boy thing really get you know up to the peach count on that mm-hmm. one only full a full five peaches um and with call me by your name i'm just so attracted to that character and the way that he carries himself so i'll say i'll give it a four and obviously leaving off the one peach for uh posterity and speaking about a (laughs) drug addicted character all right we're bringing sarah back in the room (laughs) so she can speak about the hair timothy's hair one to five peaches well this is what i promise i will answer but this is what i was really curious about what is ideal timothy hair Mm. For me, obviously, it is, like, this, like, amazing mess of, like, flopping curls that are just, like, such beautiful, like, loose spirals. Mm -hmm. And there are so many moments in this terrible movie (laughs) that are just, like, very hair perfect. Mm -hmm. And I will name them for you now. Um, (laughs) No, I have, like, two examples, which is one is when... He's on the quad, mm-hmm. and that girl just, like, reaches over and ruffles his hair. Oh, and I was yeah. like, excuse me. It's like porn. This is, like, and I feel like a big issue, which is, like, <laughs> but, like, I already know that he is going to end up very addicted to drugs. And right. yet here is his hair being ruffled, and I, <laughs> my feathers were ruffled. Sure. Um, But then, and then the other one is when he's driving down the highway and, like, sticks his head out the window. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, like, a Pacific breeze mm-hmm. blowing through his hair. Yeah. And it's just, like, again, excuse me. Right. Like, how dare you have... <laughs> how dare you? How dare you have this moment of beauty right? in this... Right? like, beautiful sunshine land of California. Yeah. Like, like the Bay Area. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. my, I already talked about the scene a bit, but my, my like peak hair scene in this movie is the beach scene where he's oh like, and I, I think that it might, half the work is just the camera is so close to it. Like it's literally, I'd say like 30% of the camera frame is just that mop of curls. Yeah. They're gorgeous. I mean, for me, it's, it, it's a five out of five. Yeah. It's a five out of five. Yeah. I, yeah. There's like no. I, I'd be curious to see no at the end of this podcast, if I did like the average score, I bet the hair is going to be like the highest scoring category oh, yeah. I, I would assume just because i mean there's definitely movies where i don't like his hair but i feel like even when you don't like the hair in the movie you don't you're not like too cruel about it whereas like you can really say if you don't like a movie or not so the hair i feel like it's gonna be like the, the mvp yeah when we finish chasing chalamet i feel like the mvps of the movie for me are 
whoever dressed the set of mm-hmm. that kitchen. Sure. And whoever did Timothy's hair. You know, just like the, the set crew. dressing in general, pretty good. Like his room, th- there is a lived in feeling to like those affluent white people's homes. Absolutely. In much in the way that Nancy Myers movies have. Because that Nancy Myers is my like my baseline for how an affluent white person's house should look. Mm-hmm. And I think that Nancy Myers would be rather proud of how most of the, the set dressing was yeah. in this movie. And then also whoever was styling those girls day yeah. in, day out. A dream job. But also maybe not, because my I would feel very pressured to do so well. Sure. I would stay up very late, just sort of like stressed out about the curls. Yeah. Whoever whoever deals with those probably deserves, um, I'll just say the Nobel Peace Prize. I feel like there is nothing higher or more worthy. Yeah. <laughs> no higher calling. No higher calling. Than, than dressing Timothy Chalamet's curls. Those curls. Yep. They're beautiful. Well, Sarah, thank you for talking about this not so enjoyable movie with me. I appreciate it. Do you want people to find you on the internet? No, not at all. Oh yeah. If if you feel inclined to follow Sarah, just follow me. You can, if you have something to say to her, I can relay the message. Uh, She'll look at me knowingly and nod and that will be that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram as well. We're on Twitter at Chalamet Chasing and we're on Instagram at Chasing Chalamet. You can email us if you want at ChasingChalamet at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to chime in with your thoughts on a movie, you think that we lambasted this movie unfairly. If you're crazy and you think that the hair is not on point in this movie... Let me know. You're, yes. In that case, I will relay the message to Sarah and she will have words for you. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. That helps us get bumped up in the intricate, crazy, complex labyrinth, which is the iTunes algorithm. And I would uh, love for people to find and enjoy the show. Only four episodes in, I'm not going to kid myself that Timothy has listened yet. But Timothy, if you're listening, the DMs are open. I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. My mother is really looking forward to me settling down, and I think that she would be much obliged if you (laughs) would do me the solid. (laughs) Not words that she's actually said to me. I'm just picking up on various hints. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. So yeah, Sarah, thanks. Thank you. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, iTunes, and Bandcamp. And our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. And until next time, later. <laughs>